Hello, I'm John Barnes. Welcome to the How Might We podcast. Okay, I'll keep my intro short and sweet today because I think this episode is a really nice one. Uh, The only piece of housekeeping today is to say that I'll soon be launching my new book, Tech Monopolies, a short rant. It looks at the impact that technology is having on our lives and particularly at the addictive mechanisms used to exploit our cognitive biases by tech companies. So I think a lot of listeners who've read my previous book, Democracy Squared, will, will really enjoy this. Also to say that it will be available on a pay-what-you-want monthly basis on Patreon, which I've just put online. So you can find that on my website or on patreon.com forward slash John Barnes. Um, Subscribers will also get access to every book I've written so far and will write in the future. So currently that means Democracy Squared, Tales of Cool Companies, and soon Tech Monopolies, uh, which will probably have a sequel as well. Uh, And there'll be other benefits. Soon there'll be video courses, Q&A episodes for the podcast, which has been recommended by listeners, and all sorts of other stuff. Um, so I'll, I'll give a proper overview of the book and its content soon in another episode. I'll give the full lowdown then. Um, but for now, I just want to go straight into my introduction to this week's episode. So today, my guest on the podcast is Susanna Antonio. Susanna is the founder of a social enterprise called Fermenta, uh, focusing on older age and helping older people to feel valuable and to help people value older people more. So I found this conversation lovely because it, gen- it just genuinely reframes some stuff for me. I realized when reading through the journals that Susanna sent me in prep um, that this, in it, this is an issue I totally misunderstand I think Uh, I think that it it sort of crosses my mind very little despite the fact that it's a hundred percent guaranteed that I'm going to get old Um, I think I also fall into the trap of neglecting the value of older generations is something I I perhaps like softly realized in this episode Um, and I found the stats amazing particularly around the impact that our attitude towards the concept of aging has on our actual experience of aging and even on our biology when we get old. Um, So this was really eye-opening for me. Susanna, I think, provides some real knowledge and experience, but also just some beautiful wisdom and empathy when it comes to this topic. You might even get some good life planning advice from her at various points, um, and it, it might even be surprising life planning. Uh, advice from her. You'll hear that Susanna does some amazing work, um, particularly with old women. And because it's a social enterprise, I've agreed this week to give her a little bit of a plug. Um, So you'll hear that Susanna takes her grandma, she says she has 92 grandmas, um, on some amazing trips. And they're off on a trip around Holland at the moment. And you can donate to help uh, this cause and to help um, the aging people that Susanna Susanna supports to go on these kind of trips. Um, I've put the details in the in the description to this podcast. 
There you'll find the bank details if you'd like to fund her in any way or just contact her via, via the email that I'm giving to. So if you want to sponsor a granny, um, this, is, this is the place to do it. So with no further ado today, I want to give you my conversation with Susanna Antonio, which I've entitled, How Might We Make Old Age Beautiful? Enjoy. Hi, Susanna. How are you doing? I'm fine, John. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. It's a pleasure to talk about these things for me. <laughs> exactly. So you're going to today give us a guided touring, a guided tour of aging, uh, which is, I think, a conversation that I have all too rarely. And in fact, speaking to you makes me realize how unusual it is a conversation for me to have. So I'm, I'm hoping we're going to help people see things in a in a different way when it comes to this subject yeah actually it's something that we we tend not to think about we always think it's something it's very far but actually it starts happening every day even when we are young we should be preparing our old age absolutely so but before we go before you give us this kind of guided tour of uh, the world of older people because as our listeners will find out, you spend a lot of time with a lot of older people. Um, but before we do that, can you, can you just tell us briefly, uh, like, what do you do? What, do? what are you doing at the moment? Yeah, so my background is as a designer. Uh, and what I do is that for the last 10 years, I've been working on social innovation alongside with local organizations. So with the intent of using design as a tool to develop local communities. Uh, I've did a bit of different types of work. I've worked with uh, long-term unemployed people, disabled people, but actually it's with the elderly that I really feel at home. And this is what I've been doing for the last four years. Um, and I, f I really feel at home, so I, I really like using my creativity and my, my design tools to work alongside with them and to make this community flourish. We're going to go into your, I guess it's a social enterprise, is it, Fermenta? Yeah, yeah. It's a non-profit uh, that works in Lisbon. It's based in Lisbon. Okay, so before we go into that, can you just tell us a little bit about, like, how did you get to doing this? What's, what's been the journey? Uh, because from mm -hmm. what I can gather, you've been working with older generations for quite some time. So how, how did that start and what was that journey like? Yeah, I think it's kind of a funny path because it really started early with my grandparents. I think they were the beginning of everything and it's kind of funny to see how I started, how I went in the world, in the professional world, just did a bit of a lot of things, and then I'm back at the same spot. So um, I grew with my grandparents till I was six, uh, because my parents had to work, so my grandparents had the time to be with me. And actually what happened was that these first years of my life, I really got the values and the structure I needed uh, to be doing what I do today. So my grandmother was 
really hero to me. So somebody that I would look up always. And growing up, I realized that communities normally are forgetting their old ones and don't, they don't see them as values um, and they tend to put them aside. What happened is that when I came back to Lisbon, um, I always was a very creative person, so I wanted to be an artist. And the normal path was doing fine arts uh, school, and then I went to the fine arts university and I did design. And when I was on my third year, I, was in, I went to Italy to study for one year. And what I realized was that design, instead of being just a tool to help communities, it really started to become something as an added value for luxury. So for a lucky few uh, mm. and not really for developing communities. So I was a bit annoyed with design, didn't think I wanted to be a designer anymore. And again, something very funny happened. And it was as simple as I wanted to give back community and I decided to volunteer in a nursing home. And that was where everything came together. So my profession as a designer, my volunteering, and I realized that I could do something in this field. It was in 2003, so in Portugal, people were not talking about social design yet. It was kind of a new field that was not being explored here. And at the time, I also didn't think I could have a profession doing this. I just thought it was my volunteer, and then I would do something else as a profession. But what happened was that there was a, a big exhibition in Lisbon called Experimenta Design, so it was the biggest design event. And they were, they were looking on crafts, so the new idea of crafts and new artists in town, so what Portuguese people were doing. And somebody told me, well, don't you want to apply? Yes, I know you are doing something creative in this nursing home with your volunteer. Do you want to like just showcase? So I did, and I was one of the four Portuguese chosen to expose. So this was an international exhibition with the Royal, Royal Society of the Arts, with the RSA, and Portugal, and there were some other countries. And there... I realized that this could be my field of expertise. So I could work, use design and do also social and mingle the two together. It was very fun because uh, the people I was working with, so people were in this nursing home, we were the most uh, talked artists in this Biennale. So people who never have left Lisbon or never left this nursing home for five or six years. I had two ladies in wheelchairs. So suddenly we were traveling all over the country to give interviews, to appear in magazines, to go to shootings. And it was, it was really amazing what was happening. That was people were valuing their creativity uh, and the things that they were doing. And it was the same as I'm doing today, so was handmade products using the, the traditional knowledge that they have, so weaving, embroideries, knitting, crochet, and I would give it a twist together with them, so we would develop these new hip products, um, and then we, we showcase them. Um, and this was in 2004, 
so long time ago. <laughs> and after all of this media buzz, um, I was kind of on the spot um, in terms of Lisbon. And I started to be invited to work first with the Council of Cascais, so developing a creative strategy, first to work with the elderly, then to work with the local organization who had disabled people. I work with nine and we were trying to do this projects that would connect all of the organizations to work together. From there, um, I work with Experimenta Design and the RSA again and Gulbenkian uh, in a program uh, which was called Action for Age. And the idea was to get young designers who are still at the universities to think about aging and to think that and trying to explore, so to make some pilot projects, to explore how creativity can help to foster local communities. And from them, I just started jumping from organization to organization. I work with Think Public in London also. I always had this connection with Fundação Carlos Gulbenkian. And this, this allowed me to grow as a professional, to test a lot of um, tools, and to do a lot of pilots, to connect with a lot of different people. Uh, and I think this was my biggest school. So was my, this, all of this background that now permits me to have this holistic vision about working uh, locally with the communities. Um, and then in 2013, after 10 years working for other people, um, I decided that it was time to create my own organization. And I did it with, with a friend of mine, which is Angel Campote. So he's a psychologue. And he also worked um, with local communities. So we created Fermenta, and then we created Avavedra which is the project that I have now. The word, the name Fermenta as well is such a beautiful way to, um, I think it says a lot about the way you think uh, about aging. Yeah, I really wanted to have a name that people could just smile and, and understand in a very simple way what it is. And for me, what, what my organization means is that we put all of these creative tools and we use design as kind of a catalyst for change. So as you, we use the, the baking powder to make cakes grow, we want to use... Um, these creative tools to make people grow and to make communities grow and flourish. And so my, uh, my understanding, I mean, the, the reading that I've done into aging has actually, I found surprising already. And my understanding is that there are, I, I'd love you to give us a tour of, of the problems and the, the kind of the state of aging as it is. Because my understanding is that there are, of course, the biological realities of what it means to age. Um, but that actually the, the main problem might be that we simply misunderstand what it will be like to be old. Um, so maybe you can give us a tour of, of the, the yeah. demographic transition we're in as well as the problems that the elderly are facing. Yeah, so especially in Portugal, what happened uh, was that like 60 years ago, more or less, uh, communities, they really tended to be together. So elderly people were very close with the families uh, and they were 
kind of a central part of the family. Also because geographically people were, would stay together. Um, what happened in, in, in our days is that people had to move to work. So now when they are old, they have left their villages when they were like 10 or 12 years old. So they don't have roots anymore in those villages. So they became elderly in these big cities, especially Lisbon and Porto. But also in rural areas, what happened is that families had to split. So they had to, because they had to, to look for job opportunities. Um, and, and, and something that's important is that it's not because families were split together that's a problem of loneliness or people are misplaced, but it has specially to do with a big question of prejudice against age. So I would say that the biggest problem is linked to our notion of work. So you have all of this big group of people, the baby boomers, that have worked all their lives and their goal was to get their retirement at 65. So it's kind of a, um, something that they were entitled to and they have worked a lot for that. But it's kind of, um, I would say, poisonous um, gift. Mm. Because on one on one hand you say oh, okay I'll, I'll have all the time in the world to do what I ever wanted I don't have to work as many hours as that I will be happy when I retired I will do a lot of things when I retired and actually you have a notion of this happy feeling for the first first year and if you talk with retired people almost all of them say this to you that they are very happy on the first year, but then there's a sense of emptiness because our identity is very much structured to what we do. So we work eight hours a day or even more. So a big chunk of who we are is what we do, our profession. And when you retire, that is taken away from you. So if you don't um, work your inner self, you know, if you don't... Um, think about your life, your feelings, what you are doing in this, in this planet, um, you get a sense of emptiness. So if you don't fill it with work, what is there to, to do? Uh, and, and above all, how will people relate to you? Because if you're not a banker anymore or a teacher, who are you? And I think this is one of the main, the main problems is that Elderly people really lose their sense of self, you know, their objective in life, what they want to do. And people also, I think we are all wrong about aging because it's not a curse. It's not the beginning of the end. Sometimes when you retire, you have a period of time that can go to 14 to 20 years. So it's impossible that you think that, for 20 years, you are in the beginning of the end. You can create a new life. So um, this is, 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 is part of the problem, is that everybody all of the world makes you think that it's going all downhill, you know, after retirement. And it's not necessarily true. So you, you have to be able to create a new plan of life, a new life for yourself. Uh, and that's why sometimes... When I'm talking with my group, we 
we talk a lot about aging, expectations, and before everybody saw life as this line. So we were born and then the line was going to get, it would grow, grow, grow till retirement because you were studying, then you were creating your career, then you had your children, then you had your family, then your kids would move away, then you would retire. And then people imagine this line going down, downhill again till the end so till till the end of uh, of your life because you lose you lose your mobility you don't have to work anymore and then you have pain your family is not there you have no friends but this it's the thinking that it's wrong either inside the group of elderly people or the community which they are surrounded because in 20 years you can you can create a new life for yourself. So for me, I don't imagine a line that goes up and down, but I imagine kind of circles that you are creating and you can have different circles in your life. And these different circles, it's your different journeys, your different plans, the different things that you, that you have expectations you want to do. And you can do it all. You know, it's not the question of a timeline anymore. That that has to be over. And for me, that will be the future of aging. So imagine if you could re retire, not retire, but having three or four years around your 30s and then you could work again, but you will, you will never stop at 65. You can continue doing it. Or if you want to have children, you can have a gap of four years to have your children and then you can study and then you can have your profession. So this notion of continue line, it's not there anymore. Mm, this idea that you have childhood, then adolescence, then, uh, you know, let's say just work and then retirement you're saying is yeah. is a flawed and past uh, past notion and we need to move towards are you saying we need to move to something a bit more blended so it's less sequential like that yeah yeah i think we we at least for you to have a notion of a fully life you cannot see it as a straight line anymore you have to make plans for the different ages that you are in and you can have a new profession. You can decide that you want to have a new profession at 40. There's no problem in that. Or you can decide you can go back and study when you are 60. Or that you can, tra or you or that you can travel at, at 25 for two years and you don't want to work on that period. Um, I think you have to be creative with, with your life. I think this will be kind of a solution for aging is how will you tackle your life in a way that's creative and fulfills yourself instead of doing what other people think you should be doing? Mm, and you, you touched on something that uh, just generated a thought in me that I'd not had before, which is there's this conversation going on about automation and how one of the biggest problems in the future will be so many jobs are taken away that we lose our purpose. Um, because we don't have jobs and something you just made me yeah. realize is that uh, that that already exists it's called retirement and so we, yes. we already <laughs> have um, you know like uh, 
this, I'll just use this language. We already have a target market to experiment with how to help people feel purposeful without work. Um, and that's people over the age of 65. Yes, for sure. And imagine if you work for 45 years, nonstop, nine hours a day, and then from one day to the other one, your retirement arrives and you get this paper and said, so now go and be happy. You have all of the time in the world. Emotional, this is very hard. Also because afterwards, you cannot go back to your work. And normally, also your friends from work, which is a very big safety net normally, you know, they are very part of your social life. They tend to go away if they continue working, you know. Uh, you get, of course, you can see them and you have a lunch every month, but then this lunch becomes once a year and then they are away. And when this is taken from you, so the, the, the notion of work that we have to get up to do something, you have a notion also of accomplishment, and you have all of these social relationships, and then this all goes away. What fulfills you as a human being? Because we all want, we all have goals and you, we want to achieve them. And when we retired, it's like, everybody took the goals away you know you're not considered anymore and this is what really scares me is that when people stop needing you and believing in you you will stop believing in yourself mm, and that has real um, implications from the the literature that you've sent me it uh i was really surprised to see the effect of self-esteem essentially on like the the bodies the actual bodies of of older people um was yeah, amazing it's, it's incredible yeah. yeah it's incredible and also the, the retired old people have a very big issue with depression and at least in portugal uh one third takes uh depression pills and it's something that it's immediately given by doctors, you know, kind of as a solution. Instead of a social prescription, uh, hmm. you immediately are giving a, a medicine to treat you, but it, your heart is not treated with, only with medicines. Mm, yeah, we, it seems what you're doing is prescribing, um, yeah, social medicine, not chemical medicine. Maybe, so we've started yeah. touching on this <laughs> idea of identity. Um, which I find really interesting because I can see how attached we often are to our jobs as identities, as well as other jobs, like being a mother or a father and then your children leave home uh, is often yeah. a moment where there's an identity that's lost. Can you take us through some of the other problems, real problems that older people face day to day? So, uh we, we have like different parts of aging. So when you retired, you still are social person. You don't have a lot of illnesses, so you still can manage for yourself. You have your own money. Um, you're not dependent. And if you can prolong a happy life during this period, you will prolongate it till the time that you need help. Um, and that you need supported help because it's already proving by a lot of studies that 
people really want to age in place. So instead of creating this big um, places, big um, kind of fancy hotels where you can live uh, and be taken care of, people prefer to be in their communities or in their houses. So if, if you can have um, a fully life and a purpose during this period that you are okay, you will prolongate it. Um, but I think a lot of the, the physical problems that, that come, especially with um, mental illnesses, um, they arrive because of this thing of depression and sadness and the lack of the sense of purpose. The problems, for instance, that I'm facing with the oldest persons that are in my group are things like democracy and people being able to decide by themselves. So this is a, a big problem between aging because if when you are the pillar of your family or when you are at work, normally you have a career, so you are here on top. Um, afterwards, people tend to take you from that place and they will start deciding for yourself. Uh, and your, your ideas, your, they don't matter as much. And this is a very big problem because for one hand, if old people have to realize that they are losing their mobility, their independence, and they have to give space to the children or to the, take, the people who take care of them. Um, it's very difficult to give, to give this back. So to realize that you cannot decide for yourself anymore, that you cannot, for instance, go on the transportations by yourself, that you cannot decide for your money anymore. And, and I think and this is one of clear, Susanna, are you saying that um, are you saying that a lot of the older people you meet can't decide for themselves like they they actually can't and therefore people help them, or are you saying that they can often think for themselves, but that right is often taken away from them far too soon? Yeah, I think their right is taken away far too soon. I have an an example that I normally give that. When you have kids, kids, they are, um, they are encouraged to experiment and to fail because we grow with failure, no? We grow by trying, by getting out of our comfort zone. With elderly people, it's the other way around. If you fail once, people will tend to take you out of that situation so you will never do it anymore, for instance. If you lose yourself one day in the subway or in the bus, your family, of course, for love, it's because they love you, but what they will do is that, okay, you will never go by yourself anymore. If you manage your money, well, not wisely once, uh, families tend to taking that responsibility out of you, you know, because they are afraid that what's going to come. And I think... It's too soon when people take um, decisions from the elderly themselves, you know. And I'm, I'm, and I'm sure what happens is that if you, I mean, what's interesting here, maybe it's worth our listeners knowing, is that we were both at a TEDx speaker training this week and you're, I'm talking about really, really young people and you're talking about really, really old people. 
Um, and actually, we're, <laughs> yeah. say, we're saying similar things because I'm talking about how every time you take the autonomy away from a child, you're taking away an opportunity to learn. Um, but actually, I'd never thought of the fact that that's what we do for people, you know, over the age of 70, for instance. And it's really common for families to, to like yeah. have an intervention of sorts. Yeah, because the problem is that we don't think elderly people grow, you know, and can flourish because we always see the glass half empty, you know, they're going to shrivel and die. So they will not grow. And I really believe from my heart that everybody can grow, even if they are 30, 80 or 90 years old or even 100, you know. We just have to give people the opportunity to do it. Mm. So you're, you're starting to touch on some of the myths of aging that you and I have discussed before. Um, I think that was one of them. Can you, can, you, can you talk our listeners through some of the things that we think about aging that are wrong? So misconceptions, yeah. misperceptions. <laughs> there are some that I was really surprised by the data on it. Yeah. So... One of them is that people are um, physically in decline, so that you start losing your bodily functions or you have problems with mobility, with eye seeing. And this is not, it's, it's not for everybody. This does not happen to everybody. It happens to some. Um, but we have a notion that with age, everybody starts to decline physically. And what happens is that if you treat yourself well, if you eat well, if you do a little bit of sport, if you do socializing, um, you can actually be very fit uh, and, and very well physically. And everybody tends to see old people as, as frails and not uh, with accurate thought. And that's, really not true and this is one of the problems of job seeing job seeking and 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 aging you know people with 50 years old they are seen as somebody who's not going to adapt as well who is going to have a difficulty in learning new things but that is not true by studies you can see that's not true another thing is that we tend to act a bit childish around old people. Uh, and this is something very annoying for them. Um, to treat them as if they are not intellectual beings anymore. Um, and by demeaning themselves, when we diminish them, they will diminish themselves. You understand? It's kind of, is that society was making a mirror and by this all of myths and this all of prejudice, I will start believing in all of these things, you know, that I'm not good to work anymore, that I, old dog does not learn new tricks. Uh, there's a lot of mythology around all of these things um, that really doesn't help. Yeah, you're touching on one of the, again, this happens with children as well. You know, when you see people go, well, like, speak to them like little, little babies you're actually just preventing their growth in that moment. Um, yeah. And it's slightly, yeah. slightly disrespectful fundamentally to speak like that. Yeah. And I can see that that happens with older people. I'm actually wondering if I, if I do it too, 
<laughs> in some way right now. <laughs> this is quite valuable. Uh, so, so one of the things you touched on there was about work and how we think that older generations aren't productive, aren't useful anymore, when in fact, you know, the, the common sense stat is simply that they have more experience than us. And so we're kind of ignoring a big bunch of wisdom there. And, and they have something that it's very valuable, which I think that is um, the ability to not create as much stress in work. So I think we normally we stress a lot, you know, in all of our professions. And what they have is that they have a filter of experience. So they're kind of more cool on these times of stress and mm. they can handle it much better than us. Right. That's interesting. Yeah. So there, there's, there's some perspective there because they've seen this before and we've not. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so some of the other stuff that you shared with me was around expectations. So am I, am I right in thinking that, well, there's two phenomenon here. There's the fact that we expect old age to be bad when actually it's not as bad as we think it's going to be. Um, but also, so, th so this is across a number of things, right? Memory loss, um, illness, sexual activity even. I was surprised to see that 34% um, of people expect to not be sexually active when, when they're older. And in fact, that's only true for 21% of people, uh, which is yeah, an, an amazing stat. Sex is a big myth. Old people don't have sex. Oh. <laughs> right yeah yeah that's a that's a wonderful myth i was i thought that was an amazing stat to read the one that really struck me was that it was saying that if if you think old age is going to be bad then people who believe that when they in fact do get older perform worse on memory tests so so all, so if you if you have a bad expectation of old age you will in fact have a worse old age. Your, your, your perception of yeah. old age impacts old age. Is that right? Yes, yes, of course, because what happens is that you don't, you have no expectations, you know, you, you are only see it's going to go downhill. And of course it will. Uh, it, it, it's like life itself, for instance, if you are looking for a job, uh, if you don't have the positive energy that you're going to get it, uh, if, if you are already depressed or sad and you go to the interview thinking that you're not going to get it, for sure you will not going to get it. Um, and then this becomes a, a, a loop in which you cannot go out from it. Um, so it's kind of the younger people, the way they think old age is going to be, it's the way they will experience old age. Mm. Mm. And so what, I mean, there's, it feels like old age has a lot of problems. I'm used to hearing the kind of technological problems of old age, which are, uh, you know, they're engineering problems, basically, of, of blood flow, of, of, yeah. of these kind of things. But I think what you're addressing and what you're saying is that the social perception of old age has really far-reaching repercussions and that's that's where your mission yeah. is yeah and and actually there's a lot of studies saying that if you haven't that's why you have active aging it's one of the agendas of of um, 
European Union. Um, if you remain active and positive, you will live longer because it, for decades and decades, people kept treating the bodies, but they didn't treat the heart. And actually, our, the way we feel, it's connected to how our body is going to, to work. Uh, and in and, and our head, our heart, and our body is all connected. And what happens now is that with the, the advance of medicine, we can have, we can live much, much longer. So our bodies are still continuing existing and working and alive. Our heads around 90 start to have all of these problems of dementia and other illnesses because our brain cells uh, are not were not made to last as long, but if your heart and and your heart in the terms of feelings, you know your connection to the community, is kind of sad and not happy to be in this world. Why do you want to live more thirty or forty years? What you see a lot today is that people are in front of a TV uh, every day, waiting for lunch and for dinner and what can they expect? Mm. And a lot of people don't expect nothing else. And how can you live like this? For me, I have this image of it's kind of you're living in a tomb, you know? Mm. You are alive, but you are closed in this tomb. Uh, and it cannot be. And this has all to do with per perception and community links and the way you construct yourself as a, a, a human being, the way you, who are you, what are you doing here, what's your purpose, you know, all of these life questions that we never tend to ask. Mm, and, what, and I think what you're saying here is that that is a cultural, that's a result of culture. Um, yeah. Because, you know, the loneliness i read that loneliness is actually worse when young than when old um i, le I learned mm. that moods are our ability to navigate our moods is better when we're older uh, we experience stronger friendships when we're older um and and that uh, actually the percentage of older people who experience depression is far lower than we think um but culture is is affecting um is affecting mm. old age itself can you can you tell us a bit about so bas basically my understanding of the conversations I've, I've had with you is that old we've got old age wrong we're we're only seeing the dark side um yeah but, I, yeah. but actually you must see this in your day-to-day -day. you must see a really bright side to old age which which would break these stereotypes so can you can you tell us like the the bright side of life a little bit when it comes to yeah. aging. <laughs> so there's like for everything you have two sides of the coin. The problem with old age is that we only see the bad side, and there's a lot of good sides on that. Uh, I will tell I will tell you a little story about the well the group of people I'm with. Mm. Um, we were invited to do um, the merchandise for a music festival, like a summer music festival in Portugal. So we did it for six months. And then normally what we do is that we work and then we have fun and the pleasure afterwards. So everybody that worked in the project, the, the, the grannies, uh, they, were, they, they went to live the festival for three days. 
So we did as everybody else. So we rented a house near the festival and then we would take these buses to go there. And what happened is that we were stopped by the policemen. So there was this um, search for drugs, like a, a normal search. So we were just the bus that was like sent to stop. Okay. Um, so, so, so our audience needs to picture here a bus full of grandmas being stopped for a drug raid by the police, right? Yeah, in the <laughs> middle of a lot of teenagers. So all of the teenagers started laughing, looking at the old ladies, you know. Uh, and we all got out and it was like kind of very serious. So they had the dogs, they were fully dressed. Um, but old ladies have this charisma of not, well, they don't, they don't bother anymore, you know. So they were kind of playing with the policemen because they had these uniforms on and they were young and whatever. But then there was a, a girl who was laughing for the granny. She said, oh, my God, look, you are being stopped for drugs. Ah, oh, oh, old ladies and drugs. And one of them just said, look, I went to the first festival of Parejtkora, which is one of very famous, uh, that you all want to go now. I, I went to the first, and I was young once. And I lived the 60s and the sexual revolution and all of the music. And we tend to forget that. Mm. Why do we do that? And it was amazing because then we all had fun and the girls stayed with us during till three o'clock in the morning and we were in, in the front of the, of the concerts and we had fun. And there was one of them that said, look, when I'm, when I'm, when I'm old, I want to be like that. Mm. And this is kind of the mission. It's just getting people to look on the positive side of this coin. Hmm. Yeah, that's an amazing story. I gather you take them on other trips as well, right? Whilst we're on the, the trip stories, um, can, you, can yeah. you tell us a little bit about what happened in Amsterdam? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we are, we, well, me and Angel, we, we love to, to, to take them traveling because it's something that a lot of them don't have much opportunity to do it. And when they do it, they go with their kids. So they are kind of this role of mothers or grandmothers. They are not just themselves having fun. You know, they are, they are in a role when they go in family trips. And with us, we just go all together, like, just for fun. And for instance, what, what happened is that two years ago, we went to Madrid to receive an award. It was the... Uh, Ibero-American Biennale of Design. So we got a, an award for, for our work design. And we said, well, let's all go there and receive this award. So we went for four days, but we didn't have a lot of money. So we stayed in these backpack hostels um, in all of these um, camaradas, you know, where you have a lot of people that stay in the same rooms and they are mixed. And it was such a, an amazing experience because we were more doing like kind of a um, high school trip than an old ladies trip, you know. And, and I really think that they all forgot how old they were. If they were 70 or 80, it didn't matter. We just have fun like everybody else. People is just people. Until um, today, we still laugh and say, what happens in Madrid stays in Madrid, you know. Um, 
and and this is amazing and now we are going to to Eindhoven because we were invited to showcase at the Dutch Design Week so we're going to take eight grannies uh, to the festival and again it will be amazing uh, we are on a tight budget but sometimes is the tight budget that makes the long-lasting experience that we never forget so you're so you're going on these amazing adventures can you tell us a little bit as well about the day-to-day -day work you're doing because it seems to me yeah i think i think for one uh i i really suggest for listeners to go and see your instagram which i'll post in the notes of this podcast uh because it really brings to life uh some of the personalities and some of the work um, but can you tell us a little bit about that work and about what you're you're producing and making yeah. uh, to get all these amazing design awards? Yeah. So, well, the the way to put it, it's very simple. I'm always also very pissed why creativity is something that it's always linked to youth. So I created this this hub. So it's a creative hub for people over sixty. Uh, if you are sixty or more our oldest lady, she's 90, uh, you can go, can go in this project. And it's, um, it's a, a studio, so it's open. People can go there if they are this age and they will participate creatively in whatever things we are doing. It's always handmade products and we can be either doing our own collections or we can be working for special clients, like for instance, we already worked with Benetton. Uh, now we're going to do a workshop for Mercedes-Benz. Um, we can do, we did the decorative piece for for Cannes Festival. So we are always we are always um, getting these challenges um, from society, uh, and we do handmade creative stuff so these people can come in and they participate in all of this in all of these projects whatever it is and by participating in it with their work then they are entitled to live all these amazing experience that can be traveling can be doing performance with artists so we did a performance with the belgian artist which was amazing this year we also did the commission piece for mood museum which is the design and fashion museum of portugal and we did this piece with the brazilian artist and then was showcased and we did the performance on top of the piece which was an amazing moment um, we participate a lot in in films movies in all of these cultural events, either be documentary, art, we do fashion week also, <laughs> we do LGBT pride, which is something also very important for me and Angelo, that is to break the stereotypes that old people also have on society. So mm. we are always pushing for this. Uh, so the, this question of LGBT, it's very keen to us, it's something that we really want want to work um, and, and, and others just people are entitled to do whatever they want inside their hearts we should never have prejudices and the same as society has prejudice against all people also all people have a lot of prejudice 
against young people. Uh, for instance, we, we did partnership with Chapitou, so working with these kids who have, you know, rastas and all mm. these earrings and stuff, you know, they are just people, despite their look, it doesn't matter. Uh, and this is super fun because they are really getting younger. They are changing their mentalities, you know. Uh, they are seeing themselves differently. And I really think they are changing their communities bit by bit, you know. Mm, so what, what are the implications of this work then? I'm sure you have some amazing success stories. I mean, is it is it the case that you you initially have somebody come to the come to the project uh, i'm i'm like stereotyping here to um for, for ease but they they come to the project they're a bit closed minded or perhaps have lost some self esteem um as oh, they've aged yes. and they 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 regain some of that through the creative process yeah that happens a lot. For instance, something that we are always laughing is that when we travel, we need to get their passports or IDs for the hotels and the planes. Um, and when you see the pictures, you get amazed because the pictures look like the grannies of them now. You know, actually, they kind of in a semiotic way, they look quite younger than the pictures that they have in the ID in the in their IDs. Uh, and also we always do a picture when the person enters the project. And after six months, after one year, it's kind of amazing how they have blossomed and they have like gained self-esteem, especially for the ladies, you know, they they've gained this um this vision of beauty in old age with the wrinkles or with the white hairs, it doesn't matter, you know, people are just people and everybody's beautiful. And a lot of the times, for instance, last week, Lucinda is one of our grannies. So she came in the project and she was very depressed, just recently widowed. I would say like 60% of our group starts like this, you know, they, their husbands died and then they are pushed either by neighbors or by the children's or by the grandchildren's to enter the project. Um, she's with us for one year and a half. And last week she told me, oh, I don't like this because we have the pictures on the wall. I don't like this picture of me. I was so, I'm not beautiful. I was so bad at that time. I'm not the same person. You have to take another picture. So they realize also that they are different. This is super fun. That must be amazing to see that, that change in someone. Yeah. And then what's the, you started mentioning the social impact. Like, so, so you said Luc Lucinda, I think her name was, she's had this kind of, um, well, actually I found, I, I, I learned the word gerontolescence, <laughs> which is a, a, pur <laughs> a purposeful <laughs> adolescence that we have later in life, apparently. Um, so she, she's experienced yeah, this gerontolescence. Yeah. What is the impact on, on other people of her having that sort of rebirth? Is it, is it that it no. impacts her family or how does that work? Impacts her family. Sometimes th this is also very interesting because when they enter the project, especially because they are used to traditional projects that work with elderly people, normally you don't have a lot of voice. So you just commit to the rules that they are and you don't have expectations and you just follow through. 
So when they enter the project, they are a bit like this, you know, like they are more in the shadow. They never say what they think. They never want to appear in the photographs and whatever. And then bit by bit, they, they change. And sometimes when we are in the hub, me and Angelo, we laugh together because sometimes we, we really have teenagers inside. It's kind of, we have waken up everybody. Mm. <laughs> and now they, some of them have big egos and they don't know how to do it anymore. You know, it's, it's exactly as adolescence. Like you are trying to um, find your spot in this group of people so you are or either you are a little bit of a bully or then you let yourself be um, and they are all reshaping uh, the role that they had you know they are creating a new role for themselves either it is visually why the way they dress the way they do their hair and this can come as simple by looking at the other ones like for instance they can say oh i don't want to put a flower in my head or whatever and we say okay but then they see that everybody else puts the flower and then the other ones have more pictures and they, they are more commented as beautifuls and like in two weeks they also want the flower in their head um, okay so those kind of same this, social uh, dynamics are, are still absolutely yeah. there Okay. Does that mean that when I'm 90, I'm, uh, I'm still going to want Instagram likes, <laughs> you know, like do those same things exist? Okay. You cannot imagine how new technology works with us. This is something that I really love because one of the agendas you also have is this tick for elderly people. So kind of having these workshops on Facebook and on computers for them to learn. And a lot of people just don't get it. Learn by, by the, for the sake of learning is just stupid, you know. A lot of the times they don't see why do they need Instagram, okay. And they don't need it. But in a project like ours, they start being recognized in the street by the Instagram, you know, by the foreigners that live near our shop uh, or by our followers. And they get recognized it in the bus, in the, in the supermarket. And then they started asking, but this guy, he knows me, what picture did I get in, in the internet? So, and then they ask their kids for smartphones in the Christmas, you know. Uh, and then they start following the project in their, in their fully scale, either it is at the hub present, like being there, or with, so, with social networking. Um, they have a lot of comments on people from the village they, they are from that they have not seen for 10 or 20 years. And people connect with them through the project. Or for instance, this summer, a lot of them went to, well, to visit the place they are from. And they were commented on, oh, I saw you on television, or oh, I see you on Facebook, I saw you were in Madrid, or you did this exhibition, or you worked for that client. So they get recognition by, by the other ones. And this is very important. I can see how that would be transformative as well. If you came to your project because you were widowed or because you'd experienced depression or, or loneliness, to then have, um, to have that sort of rebirth and to be recognized and respected and loved and found beautiful again 
must be just an incredible experience. Yeah, and also because we do this thing with the clients, I think it's something that it's kind of um, also key for the success of this is that you are needed. You have to go because we have to finish this commission for the client A or B. So even if you if it's raining, a lot of the times this happens. I have one, um, one of the ladies, Annabella, when she was in the beginning, when she came to us also, her husband died. One day she she came and it was like a winter day and she said, "Oh, I have to tell you something." I said, "Well, what happened? Look, today I went up and down my stairs four times. So I came down to come to you guys, and then I said, "Oh no, no, it's so it's raining. I don't feel like it. I'm not happy. I go home." She went up. Then she said, "Oh no, but they really need me." So she went down. Then she went up, and she did this four times till she got the courage to go to the hub. Um, so this notion that they are needed, if they don't go, they will be missed and something will happen wrong because people need their work and people that need that they are there. So this is very important. That's, that's the most creative way of getting older people to do exercise I've ever heard of. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Never thought about that. <laughs> <laughs> Something you just made me realize is that you've used the word grannies a lot, um, but you've not used the word granddads. What's the what's the yeah. reason? For, what's the kind of split and during the project? Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah. So what happens is that um, it started to be an all-inclusive project, so grannies and granddads. Um, and what happened is that. So we started in this day center. So these organizations that already work with old elderly people, and this would be 90% women and 10% men. So actually in the beginning, we had three men with us. But what happens is that women tend to more easily aggregate as a group. And the female energy started to be so strong, so strong that these three men actually left mm. <laughs> the project. And but me I mean, and Andrew at the beginning, said, there was already a split towards females, right? So there was already more yeah, women yeah. than men. Actually, you in the group you are always have more women than men. Women tend to bury their men, so we tend to live longer. <laughs> so all right. So you so you think that is really just a like it's it's a it's a natural biological reason. There's more grannies on the project yeah. because they live longer. Yeah, that's one. And the second one is that men tend to have more difficulty to aggregate in groups so one of the reasons that normally the grannies enter the project is because they feel lonely or they feel depressed and they kind of admit that they need help so they go in the project and men tend to have a lot of difficulty to admit that they feel loneliness you know that they need the project and they of course, for everybody, it's very difficult to get out of your comfort zone. So when you enter a new group, there's this feeling of discomfort in the beginning because you don't know the people, you don't know the ambient you are in. And men tend to run more from these situations. 
so men are more um in older age men are more emotionally closed is that yeah yeah and and actually we are we are we decided to work men separated from the women so we have grandpa too uh it's doing one year now and we have a lot of difficulty to get men you know they they can go one day or two to help but it's very difficult for them to commit mm. and what, where do you see, see because that feels like a huge problem in of itself because i've seen the you know i've i've seen and followed the impact that your work's having on older women um and yeah. i hear the difficulty you're having in trying to have a similar impact on older men where where do you think the opportunities are to help to help older men well i think it it will take a little bit longer but it's it these kinds of projects are leading by example you know so you have to have the first group of men really empowered and speaking through their their voices what changed and then will become easier to get bigger group you know and and to get more impact and more change it's it's always the the first ones that are more difficult to get mm. so so we've spoken a little bit i mean we've, we've spoken a lot about the problems of aging um we've spoken about some of the myths uh, so so the things that we think about aging that aren't true which turns out quite a lot mm-hmm. um and about the work that you're doing can you tell us a bit about the benefits of aging like what what is great about what what like tell me what i need to look forward to here what's going to be great about getting old yeah um one of the things that will be great is that you so you have done normally your job towards your family towards your kids you know um and it's a time when you can focus on yourself again it's it's the same as being a teenager you, you really focus on your growth on your life and your on yourself you know and then you find a partner you you have a family and then your priorities a bit change you are not the focus of everything and when we get old uh, we tend to have this liberty again so you can do it for yourself the experience is the the other plus so you have lived a lot so you can deal with the bullshit you know what's important what's not so you can decide much more easily i would say um this notion that you have all the time in the world can be a good thing if you know what to do with this time also and another thing that happens is that you have of course you have a lot of problems with um the pensions and old people but there's a big big chunk of this aging society that has um a good economical situation so they can invest in their dreams and they can invest in themselves which is something that sometimes when you what you are young you cannot do it mm. so i so i'm going to be rich when i'm old <laughs> as well as a lot more you will you will be for sure a richer person <laughs> mm. if you are wise with your money i would say yes because 
if you work for 45 years, if you are wise with your spending, you have invested some, you may have a house. And for instance, a thing that we normally talked with the grannies is this notion uh, that they have money in their banks, but they tend not to spend it for a rainy day. Um, but they should spend their money, of course, wisely, but for fun, you know. A lot of the times people tend to think, oh, I'm going to leave my house for my kids or my money in the bank for my kids. And I think this should not be the thinking. It's like you lived your life to have this this money, this, this condition of life, spend it with yourself. Why not? Um, if you don't have a lot of money, why not sell in your house and rent a smaller house and have a very good life with the money from the sales? Um, I really think people should think differently about money. And a lot of the times what we see is that when when a family member dies, uh, you get all of these problems in relation to division of money, who gets what. And I really think from the bottom of my heart that that person who, who died should have traveled, should have spent their money with themselves. Mm. You're making me wonder here whether there's, because there's obviously just the fact that uh, people get older, but then those older people were brought up within whatever generational context. Um, and so if you're, my maths is about to get severely tested, but if, well, let's take my, uh, my grandma is 96. So before, just after the, the first world war, I think she was born. Um, and so she mm -hmm. has a certain approach to money and um, shopping. She loves the discount in the shops. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, now, I uh, I was not brought up after a horrific war. Um, I've lived in an age where I've had everything, um, and I I've never experienced um, difficulty. Of course, that isn't the case for many many people, but it is it is true that our generation today. I think I think it's fair to say that most people in the West. Uh, of my generation have had it easier than my grandparents' yeah. generation. So do you see, do you see, uh, like when my generation gets old, do you see that we'll have the same problems around money and th that kind of stuff? Or do you, do you think there'll, there'll be a different relationship to that kind of stuff because of the way we were brought up? Yes, uh, and I think this is linked to the notion of self-pleasure. Uh, you have a lot of old people that grew with this um, discipline and education of that they cannot like rest of of pleasure themselves. You know they have the, to have all of their chores made, the house clean, everything, even if they are tired or they don't feel like it. There's a notion of uh, I have to do this that we don't have. And this is, we can see it in our households, for instance. My mom, she's like, she has to have all of her chores done. And when they are done, I said, look, sit a little bit in the sofa with me. He said, no, I can still do something more. Mm. Iron or 
doing something for the next day. And I'm much more self-pleasure, for instance, if I'm very tired from work and my house is not that clean, so it's not important, I will do it tomorrow, you know? And so you're saying that's not because you're younger than your mum, that's because of the generation you were brought up in compared to the generation your yeah. mum was brought up in. Yeah, yeah, I would say. And especially old people were brought during dictatorship and during all of this Catholicism, which has this notion of sacrifice very impregnated in their skin, you know. Uh, mm. So this is, the, this is the idea that old people feel like they, um, they have a duty um, far, far yeah. more maybe than our generation does. Yeah, yeah. So I'm um, I'm aware of um, our time. I want to I want to ask you a few more questions though before we do. Um, so um, one of them is if I this might sound weird, but if I let's just pretend that uh, this podcast you can upload a new belief system to listeners. Um, so <laughs> so you can upload it to their brains right now. Um, what beliefs about aging would you like people to hold? So what, what, yeah, if you could help people just re-engineer their social perceptions about aging, what would you, where would you mm. take them with this? So one is, well, one is impregnated on my skin. So actually I did a tattoo with this, which is all these beautiful, uh, and really, tend to look on the beauty of aging instead of just seeing the decay, the suffering and all of the negative side, like seek the beauty in it. And the second one, it has to be, it has to be old is the new young. So tend to look as old, old people, old society, communities, aging, as you look at the younger generations. So try to bring all of this also myths and conceptions of young age and project them in elderly people. And you will see that they have more in common than what they have not. And I think the third one would be if we tend to see human people as individuals, so with their life stories, with their fulfillments, with their dreams, why do we tend to see old people as a homogeneous group? You know, right? So you so you don't see them as old or young. You see Lucinda, and you just you just think yeah. of that individual story. Yeah, that's it. Because we tend to see old people as in this big bag where everybody is and people are just people, you know, they're getting old, but who they are continues. And you have happy people, sad people, more entrepreneurs, less entrepreneurs. Uh, we have people who are driven by politics, people who are family driven. And as they age, that keeps running, you know, it's not because you reach 65 that suddenly you are an old person with all of this mythology around it. Well, I actually read from the research you, you sent me that uh, <laughs> the age at which you think you become old, like officially old, <laughs> gets older the older you get, right? 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is a, a wonderful truth. So isn't it like 30-year-olds think that 50 years old, but then 40-year-olds think that maybe it's at 60 that you get old and it just keeps going up? Yeah. But that's very simple to imagine is that because you look as old, old as all of these myths and the myths are not you. So when you get older, you say, yeah, but being old, this is not me. So it's not my age. It's further away. Mm. And you will never reach it. Right. It, it feels like a weird carrot that, that you're kind of, you never quite get it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Um, um, so so you've, just, uh, you've just got uh, loads of people to believe something different. Um, what can you get them to do? Like, are there ways that we... I guess what I'm wondering is, are there just really obvious things that we could all do uh, to, to, to benefit from and to benefit elderly people? Um, like both big or small, I'm sure there's big projects as well as tiny actions that we can all take. Hmm. So don't wait for retirement to be happy. A lot of people tend to make plans for when they are retired, when they have the money, when they have the time. That may never happen, uh, or it can happen, but it will be kind of, uh, it will mislead you in a bad situation. Uh, just do it before. Uh, don't wait. You have to make plans before. Uh, tend to have a very good social network of people around you, not only your family. This is also a big problem is that when you only live for your family, and your family goes away, either by your children that got their own families or your husband that died, you are left alone. So you really have to have your social relationships as a garden. You have to take care of them all of your life. And you should have different ages in these friendships. There's also a lot of studies that say, People who have friendships with different ages are the ones that age better. And you can see this, for instance, with teachers, people related to music, people related to sports. Um, is that, so you don't just go along with old people. You get along with every age. That's very important. And one thing that I would say could be a solution. What if your retire? What if we didn't retire? What if this money that we are putting aside for these 20 years of not working could be spent during the times we are still working, but we could work less hours? So mm. all of this notion of progression to retirement instead of just from working eight hours to working to nothing, why don't we just have part times? Why cannot people keep their jobs but in a lighter schedule you know mm. and start living so you retire a little now are you telling me i should retire a little now yeah a little now but you will never retire fully yeah okay that sounds i mean i can see i can see seriously i can see the benefits first of all just to live better and not wait because it seems ironic that you start you have time to live the moment you do have the money, but you don't have the body, for instance, when you could mm -hmm. be 
uh, just doing it all as you go along and not waiting for a day that, that may or may not arrive. Yeah. And also because you have all the time in the world and go and be happy is a very big curse also. You know, it's like it's so heavy responsibility that then you cannot do anything with it. Right. Because there's almost a pressure to make sure that you're definitely happy when retired, which, yeah. which is, is yeah. probably not a realistic pressure to have. Something you've made me think of, uh, yeah, I've, I've found the research you sent me really interesting and our various conversations and following you. Uh, and I just want to sum up a few thoughts that I have. One is that um, I guess the, this stuff around aging, I, from reading this stuff, I didn't realize uh, basically that our expectations of old age are wrong and that it is basically far better than we think it's going to be. Um, I was particularly struck by just that simple idea that you're more emotionally competent, basically, that say you understand your moods and, and stuff better when older was interesting. But the, set, the, the thing that I really thought of is I've, I once saw a, a workshop, I saw a guy do a meditation on death. So, so the idea was that you'd really consider death. Um, and if you were to consider death, how differently would you live today? Uh, and it made me think the same about aging. I never think of what it will be like for me to be old. It just never crosses my mind. Um, but maybe it's a thought worth having, like, what will it, what could it be like? And then what do you change about your life knowing that it will be like that? When, one of the problems that people don't look at their aging so they don't prepare it mm. because it's scary so people don't want to because of all of these misconceptions people tend to think it's so scary to think i will be old because i have to be beautiful and successful and you know run 20 kilometers um so i don't want to look when I, i'm old but if you don't look at it you don't prepare it and then will be a big problem for you. <laughs> mm, to ha so, so how should we prepare for old age? Because the, the thing that springs to mind there is I, and I think I'm totally wrong based on what I've heard from you. I was thinking, because I've, I've not started a pension or anything like that for my old age, for instance. Mm. Uh, are you telling me I should start saving now for when I'm older or, or not? maybe not? So yeah, you should not. You should start saving now for your dream. So I would give an exercise to everybody, which is close your eyes and imagine that you are 75 or even 80 years old. And like write, a, write in a piece of paper, uh, how is it going to be? And then look at it and say to yourself, what am I doing now? to achieve all of these things. And normally it's nothing. You know, a lot of people say, oh, I would love to have a house in the countryside and be more at the beach and do more sports and be more in contact with nature. But what are you doing now? Do you have like a little guinea pig where you put money for this dream house or for these trips or do you take long weekends to do it? No, we wait we are there but if we don't prepare for the rest how is it going to be and we just have to see life as we see it when we are young so we go to school all of these years 
because we want to have these professions and to be successful in society and we want to change the world and do a lot of things. But this is not, you don't do this from being a toddler to there. There's a long journey and a long road in which you are preparing yourself. So you have to do the same <laughs> on the next stage of life. So you're saying to both, there's contradictory advice, I think, here, but that's, that's useful, which is you both need to prepare now for being old and you also need to live now, uh, like retire a little, but never retire at the same time. Yeah, but this pre preparation doesn't mean our traditional thinking of get, getting, for instance, money or value or friendships. You have to keep living till you arrive there to have it fully. Mm. Do I make myself clear? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, I totally understand. It's not just making a plan for when you are 70. It's start your plan now. So doing little things for when you arrive there, you already have half a plan done. Mm -hmm. And so I've got, a, 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 I want to just uh, start wrapping this up by going to you. Um, so this plan i'm interested in your plan if you if you have a plan or how you're applying this um and i'm also yeah. interested in um like when you're imagining old susanna uh, what are you mm -hmm. what are you imagining <laughs> so i i think i have the the opposite problem i only see the glass half empty so i really imagine that i'm going to be this quirky old lady, uh, still creative, so still doing something with creativity, always with people because I'm, I'm, I'm a very people person. I, I, I like to be around people. Um, and I imagine it will be just the same. I imagine that my project, Grandma Came to Work, is still running. Maybe there's more hubs in the country, maybe abroad. Uh, will I still be linked to it? I don't know. Sometimes I'm afraid if I keep doing the same, when I'm old, will old ladies listen to me because I'm just the same as them? <laughs> so this is something that makes me laugh because I, I don't know. I get a bit puzzled. Mm. Um, and, and I imagine myself surrounded by my friends. So one of the talks we have in a lot of dinners is we should all um, start thinking about a house where we could live all together when we are old. Uh, and uh, I've convinced some, not all of them, but we really should think about it because instead of going in a nursing home or in a place where you don't have your friends, why not have a community life with your friends? Mm. Yeah, that's that. I'm still pitching for this. Yeah, I totally <laughs> see how amazing that could be. That, uh, that, yeah, just that resilience that you'd get from living in a community, and the the diversity that you would also get from having, you know, grandchildren come and see us all and play and and these kind of things. So that sounds like a a very be beautiful um, future. I hope I hope you make that happen for sure. <laughs> Let's see, I'm, I'm planning for that. So I'm pitching to my friends. I've convinced some, but not everybody. Um, and I think 
this this notion of work not for the added money value but for the added value of yourself of what you are doing of what you are creating i think this is something i will keep doing till i die a lot of the time i say i don't want to retire of course i don't want to wait to work nine hours a day but i want to keep working till i die i will be happy because my meaning in in the world is to make beautiful things so i want to keep doing them mm, you'll be adding social value well into your well, well into your century maybe um is, is <laughs> what, what haven't we covered on this on this call susanna is is there anything that you feel there's something we've not touched on and it's it's something that you really want people to know about about this topic or? yeah i just want people to feel more empathic towards old people so when you see an older person really try to imagine that they have a story behind you know they have a past um and and they can have beautiful stories but we never tend to have the time to listen to them and you will admire them so much more because they have like crazy crazy stories uh, i will just say one example one of my grannies which is mila uh, she's with us for almost three years we know a lot about her life uh, once she told that she danced the civilian, which is this Spanish dance, um, but we never knew that she has danced with Joaquin Cortez, which is one of the greatest. And when one day she told that, you look at Mila in a different way, you know? Mm -hmm. So getting these life stories from these people, what they have done, what they have accomplished, will make them see will make us see them as people and not as these old patronizing people that we imagine in our heads. So to really dial up our, our empathy and curiosity for, for that person's yeah. backstory. Yeah, yeah. And is there a, um, where would you like people to find you or your work online, Susanna? Well, um, you can go to the website of, of the project with www.fermenta.org mm -hmm. and I think there you will get a little notion on that. Um, or you can follow me on Facebook or on Instagram. My name is Susan Antonio and I think that will be the easiest way to, to get things. Okay, wonderful. And there's a question that I ask everyone on the podcast and it's to recommend... Uh, somebody else for the podcast is there is there a uh, uh, somebody you know who's a great thinker or or is doing something wonderful for the world that that you'd like to invite um to to go appear on the podcast uh yes actually i would i would recommend this brazilian artist we worked with called mana bernardes um because she has a very beautiful vision on working with community but especially the role of women mm -hmm. and she's a poet uh, she's an artist um, and she's 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 a very magical person it would be good to have her on your 
on your podcast. Wonderful. I'll, I'll wait the email intro impatiently. That sounds like a really inspiring <laughs> conversation. Susanna, thanks so much for your, for your time. I really appreciate it because this is a topic that I, I like feel, yeah, I, I just never think of this. And, and that, <laughs> that, that like in itself just feels like such a huge blind spot. And I, I have the assumption that I'm probably not the only person to never think of this. And yet it's a hundred percent sure that this will happen. This will happen to me too. Yes. Uh, so <laughs> you cannot escape. <laughs> exactly. So it feels like a, a really wonderful thing to start framing um, in a beautiful way. Or, or what it, what it, um, one of your campaigns said, old is gold. So I really need to start yeah. seeing the world like <laughs> that, I think. So thanks so much for your time on the podcast, Susanna. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, John, for the opportunity to talk about this. And hopefully... I put some question marks in some people's heads and they will think about these in the next days. <laughs> That would be wonderful. All right. Take care. See ya. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs>